The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome to the 40th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We will broadcast live from Boston home of the AFC champion New England Patriots, and go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, it was another wild week in sports, and as usual, I will discuss the highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that dominated this past week's news. In 15 minutes, I will welcome our weekly call-in guest, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Well, my highlight of the week is the send-off that deceased Penn State icon Joe Paterno received this week following his death last Sunday morning. As you listeners all know, I grew up in the shadow of Beaver Stadium and have followed the program my entire life. So when the scandal broke and he was fired, I immediately said Joe Pa would probably pass quickly, both of a broken heart and losing the will to live, a sentiment which was echoed many times in the past week, and of course that's exactly what happened. Say what you will about Joe Pa's legacy, but in the end... Thousands who braved the cold to attend the various memorials and line the streets of State College, Pennsylvania, combined with the veritable legion of former players who returned to say goodbye, that spoke louder than anything else said during the past three horrific months. And kudos to Nike founder Phil Knight for his strong statements of support yesterday for Joe Pa, which drew a standing ovation at the public memorial service. My lowlight of the week is the ridiculous family feud in Indianapolis between Colts owner Jim Ayersay and Indy icon Peyton Manning. Their imminent parting of the ways simply doesn't need to be this way, and thankfully both appeared to soften their stances slightly yesterday, good, good in advance of the world media arriving in their town for the Super Bowl next week. Uh, they both need to have their act together for, for that week. It seems to me that with Indy having cleaned house of all Peyton's peeps, that in his heart of hearts, Peyton would just as soon go elsewhere, if indeed he can even play anymore with his neck injuries. Anyway, you cut it. 
Peyton's life is about to change through either retiring, starting over in a new city, or in effect, starting over in Indy itself with all the changes out there in the front office and the coaching staff. My bizarre story of the week is, for the second week in a row, LT on Showtime's Inside the NFL. Not LaDainian Tomlinson like two weeks ago, but the real LT, Lawrence Taylor. Host James Brown and Chris Collingsworth immediately gave LT the floor, and he spoke for about 10 minutes about his life since his arrest for underage solicitation about a year and a half ago. And his most interesting admissions were that figuring out football came easy to him, but that figuring out life, not so much. When Collingsworth noted that he was now different, based on Collingsworth's interpretations of what LT was saying early in the interview, LT quickly admonished him to say that he was not different and was still day-to-day trying to figure out how to live a trouble-free life leading one to wonder what the future holds for this legendary linebacker. And now, on to my event of the week, which was covering the Patriots' Super Bowl press conferences and locker room yesterday at Gillette Stadium. Needless to say, the media throng was again standing room only, and the excitement was palpable over in Foxborough. Before I get to that, however, I want to discuss Sunday's sudden victory over the Ravens, which I was fortunate enough to attend, and which I discussed last night on Boston area television station WCTV's Sports Forum. First off, Ravens kicker Billy Cundiff's botched kick was perhaps the greatest moment I have ever witnessed in Gillette Stadium history, which is 10 years old, and I have been to almost every game played there in the past 10 years. That said, the final minute of that game seemed both chaotic and confusing, not just for Cundiff, obviously, but for everyone there. With the Ravens taking shots at the end zone from the 14-yard line uh, with under a minute to go to win the game, the entire mindset in the stands was that this was a win-lose situation with the Super Bowl at stake. Then, with the scoreboard clock showing third down, as we've all heard this week, Kind of uh, most in the stands, including myself, seem surprised when suddenly Cundiff, 15 seconds to go, is walking from the far end of the field, which happens to be the end I was sitting in, uh, to attempt the game-tying field goal and send the game into overtime. The whole scene looked and felt rushed inside the stadium. And then just like that, he missed the kick and it was over. And the realization sunk in that the Patriots were going to the Super Bowl, and euphoria then ensued. And that euphoria was still evident yesterday, mixed, of course, with the Patriots' uh, patent, patented business-like approach. Coach Bill Belichick was downright chatty yesterday and even joked about his well-known aversion to discussing injuries as he discussed the Super Bowl opponent, the New York football giants. We all know the key to the game will be if the G-men's defense can pressure Brady. But Belichick had a lot to say about the Giants' offense, so let's take a listen, starting with this soundbite and perspective from Bill Belichick on the Giants' offense. Well, all, you know, all the 
Yeah, I mean, they're very good offensively. They're, you know, they're strong across the board. they got good backs. Bradshaw, of course, Jacob. So we've got a lot of production from Ballard at tight end. Now back on the receiving floor has been, been productive with a number of different guys. Uh, but certainly, you know, Cruz is a tremendous year. And a good guy. They're, they're strong at that position, they're strong at all skill positions. Quarterbacks have been great. Offensive line solid. So you know, they, they got a lot of different guys to stop. You can't just say, well, we're going to stop one thing. They'll tell you the other one. We're going to take away this guy. And, you know, they got too many other guys. So we're going to have to play good team defense. Everybody's going to have to do their job. This is no one man band. We've got to do it all. Well, that wasn't all that Coach Belichick had to say uh, about the Giants' potent offense. Uh, here, here's a little more from Bill. Well, Coach, Tom, Kevin, those guys do a good job. They, you know, they run the ball, they play action, they can throw. And when they got to throw, they can throw. When they got to run it, they can run it. They've got some marks to get off. You know, even though you kind of know what they're going to do, they can, still, they can still go out there and do it. So they've got good players, they've got good coaches. And we all know that Bill Belichick knows his Manning brothers, and uh, he's always had the highest respect for Peyton, and he clearly has the highest respect for Eli, and here's what Coach had to say about Eli Manning. I was playing well at the beginning of the year before we played him in the what it was, game or what. Uh, and then, of course, he's, you know, he's had a great, great end of the season as their entire team playing. Jets, Dallas, Atlanta, Green Bay, last week in San Francisco, they're, they're on a, they're a very good good stretch offensively, defensively, special teams with that big plays in the kicking game. Uh, but, you know, Eli's done a good job not turning the ball over, hitting big plays, converting on third down. Uh, the third down conversion numbers are, are significantly up from the regular season, playing against better teams, better defenses. So, yeah, he's doing a great job. Outstanding quarterback, he can hurt you with his legs. Not that he's, you know, looking to run for 100 yards or anything, but you know, converting on third down, scrambling out of the pocket, he plays a lot. We've seen that before. He does a good job. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of skill, and, and he uses all his weapons, spreads the ball around, and you know, makes you defend everybody. So, and he wins. So, I mean, that's really what a quarterback's job is. Manages the game so his team can win. That's what he's done. And Belichick uh, also waxed philosophically about uh, when he was uh, defensive coordinator for the Giants back during the uh, 86 and 91 Super Bowl victories under Coach Bill Parcells and how many from that staff, including Coach Tom Coughlin, current coach of the Giants, Charlie Weiss, uh, went on to become head coaches. And here was Coach Bill talking about uh, working under Bill Parcells' staff. Well, I mean, I think first of all, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to the guy who put it together. You know, Bill, I mean, Bill did a real good job of hiring, uh, you know, hiring good people and, you know, and collectively bringing them together. I mean, we kind of had our own way of doing things. That was a different time. You know, the game was different than what it is now, but, you know, I think Bill brought together people that, you know, I'd say what we all have in common out of that group, like football, you know, you don't really feel like you're, you know, I feel like you're working, you know, you're there doing something you want to do. You don't think about the hours, you don't think about, you know, how much more I have to do. You think about doing something because you enjoy doing it. And I would say that about, you know, all those people. You know, I think that staff worked, worked pretty well together. There was a good amount of respect and 
as I've said many times, I think my relationship with Tom during those years uh, as the secondary coach, I mean, as a defensive coordinator, I coached the secondary. Tom was coaching the receivers, and, and you know the way that we worked together over those years, helping each other out. Um, you know, going one on one, going seven on seven, but um, you know, being able to have that give and take of. You know, Thomas is really a tough pattern. We really have a hard time defending that. We really, really have a hard time covering this route with the technique that you use. Where Thomas saying, you know, we can tell when your corners lined up like this, it's going to be zone. Or we can tell, you know, that in the way when he jams is like this, this is, you know, really it's tough on that route. Or, uh, you know, it's hard when your linebacker plays it like this or plays it like that and that coverage. And so. You know, that reinforces some things, you know, because on your side of the ball, you think you're coaching it the best you can, that's what you're doing, but, you know, when the guy's working against you is telling you that, you know, this is really hard or uh, this is a lot harder than that is, you know, then it makes you think about how, how the offense is seeing what you're doing, not just how the defense is seeing it from a defensive perspective. So, you know, there was a lot of that, Charlie and uh, Al and you know, Mike Pope, I mean, Mike's still there, but, it was, it, was, it was a good staff, and we all got along well and, and you know, helped each other out. It just wasn't about you know, what you were doing. It was truly a collective team effort, and, uh, and it was a special team, not just the coaches, but also you know, the players. And his reference to Al was, of course, to Al Groh, another one, member of that coaching staff who went on to become a head coach at uh, Virginia. And... Uh, as you could hear, again, uh, BB was in a terrific mood yesterday, and uh, even on his way out of the press conference, he uh, he had a nice compliment to a member of the media who was wearing a Wesleyan sweatshirt, Wesleyan, Connecticut, being uh, Belichick's alma mater. So that was the morning press conference, and then uh, the team practice at midday, and then in the afternoon. Uh, it was an open locker room as well as press conferences with Devin McCourty uh, and Vince Wilfork, among others. And in the locker room, uh, spoke with Patrick Chung, Mark Anderson, Matt Light, Sterling Moore. He of the huge plays at the end of the game last week against the Ravens, Kevin Falk. And they all are very excited, needless to say, going to the Super Bowl, some for the first time, some for their fifth time, uh, specifically Kevin Falk and Matt Light. and But they all said one thing uh, in common, which was simply that they had all gotten their, quote, personal business out of the way, meaning tickets for family members and the like, and, uh, and that they were just now completely focusing in on football. And uh, the Patriots, again, their fifth Super Bowl this decade, uh, so they know how to do it right. And they knew enough to give the players, uh, I think they held team meetings Monday, the day after they beat the Ravens, then Tuesday and Wednesday were basically get your business out of the way and get ready for football, which is what they've done. And again, the atmosphere at Gillette was even uh, further highlighted with uh, the ticket office lines of all the club seat holders and suite holders uh, lining up yesterday to get their Super Bowl tickets. So there's a lot of Super Bowl tickets floating around as the media was walking into uh, the press conference in the locker room. So, again, very, very exciting day. Uh, the team is, 
having a huge send-off party at noon on Sunday as they head out to Indianapolis. I think they're arriving about 5 p.m. on Sunday in Indianapolis, and uh, it's going to be a great week. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And on the other side, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams. Each week, join Lemont as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests join us. And today, our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post, is on the line. And welcome, Barry. Uh, We have our Giants-Patriots Super Bowl. How about that? Yeah, I mean, it's. uh, it's, I kind of wish they were playing this Sunday. I've never been a big fan of the the two weeks between Super Bowls. I mean, I, I get why they do it, but uh, you know, I, I've you know the playoffs have been so good and so compelling, and so many great stories every week. Uh, you just kind of wish that it, the, the natural crescendo would bring us to this Sunday. But now we all have to kind of like just I gotta take a step back, and just kind of wait. So you know, uh, you know, the the, the the hype has already begun. Uh, you know, in both uh, you know New York and New England. And uh, I expect that to continue, and it'll probably you know, kind of level off of it this weekend as we kind of take that 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 breath that we that we're forced to take by the NFL. But uh, I assume as we get into uh, your media day next week, and then or, you know on through the week, it'll just you know take on a fever pitch. So so yeah, it's it's, it's going to be an exciting time, and you know uh, again a little bit of uh, a little bit of a forced break this week, but we'll deal with it, and then we'll just. Uh, you know, pick up and uh, move on to our next Sunday. Absolutely. And uh, 
Where where did you watch the games on Sunday? Were you in the New York Post newsroom? I was at, yep, I was in the office. Yep, uh, on the on the desk, and uh, yeah, we had the game. You know, all the reporters obviously at, at the game, and you know, we were all you know, coordinating all the coverage, et cetera. But uh, yeah, you know, it was uh, that game went overtime too, so uh, the Giant game did anyway. And uh, yeah, it was quite a it was quite quite a scene, and uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I think. The atmosphere at this time, I'm obviously we're talking about a repeat of, uh, of four years ago. Uh, uh, a much different feel, I think, uh, in the New York metropolitan area this time around. I mean, last time, obviously, uh, it was the Giants getting into the Super Bowl against the, uh, against the juggernaut. Uh, Patriots going for the perfect season. And, you know, the, how that, you, you know how that turned out. But I, I think this year... A little different feeling. I think there's a lot more, a lot more confidence uh, in New York this time around. I mean, if you look at fan surveys, uh, I know ESPN has done them. A few other outlets have done them. Uh, if you look at what people are thinking about this game, I think it's pretty well split right down the middle. And I, I don't think it's just it's geographical either. I, I think there's a lot of people that think the Giants have a legitimate chance to win this game. And uh, you know, the, you know, last time the the the, the, the uh, Patriots were prohibitive favorites. This time it's only two and a half points. So you know, obviously uh, Vegas thinks it's going to be very close too. So yeah, I mean it, it, it's a much more wide open. Uh, you know, again, a lot of people think that if you talk to a lot of people, uh, Giants have a good shot to win. Uh, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, the Patriots are a great team, but uh, you know, certainly much more uh, even support this time than there was last time. Oh, absolutely. And uh, let me point out that the line is dropping, meaning it opened at three and a half, I believe, on Monday. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it drops more. I mean, if, if ever there was a pick 'em game, this is it, to say the least. And, you know, the Giants are full of confidence. The Patriots are as well. But the fact remains that the Giants won the Super Bowl four years ago. And just as importantly, more importantly, maybe they, uh, they beat the Patriots in Gillette Stadium earlier this year in eerily similar fashion to the Super Bowl four years ago. And, you know, I, I just think uh, it should be terrific. I mean, there's a lot being said that this will be the most hyped game in American sports history by the time we get to next Sunday. And based on the first five days uh, of coverage, I would tend to agree with that. I think, again, nine days from now, it will uh, be the most hyped game ever. Uh, and, you know, obviously everybody's hoping it's going to be the greatest game ever. And I think all the ingredients are there. I think it's going to be a one-possession, one-score game. Uh, probably coming down to who has the ball last. Uh, you know, so many of the key elements are still in place with, you know, the Giants' pass rush. But what's, what's different now, and as I you know, played the sound bites of Belichick in the first segment of the show is the Giants offense and Eli are a force, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, if you look, if you do a comparison, I would say probably the Giants defense uh, in 07 was probably, probably a little better than it is now. However, you know, the way the Giants have played down the stretch uh, with the pass rush, the, um, the secondary, which was a problem all season, they've come together. Uh, they, I think the most important factor is that the Giants are healthy uh, uh, this, uh, at this point of the season, which they weren't for a lot of the regular season. Um, you know, but you know, going back to what we were talking about, uh, you know, this team versus four years ago, 
uh, this matchup. You know, the Patriots certainly were a great offensive team then and a great offensive team now. You know, I think their defense, obviously, I think we, we could all agree was better then than it is now. Their defense has certainly been suspect, to say the least. Hines' um, offense, I think, is better. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're dynamic at the wide receiver spot uh, with, the, with Victor Cruz and Akeem Nick. And the other factor you have to look at, uh, you know, the Giants did beat the Patriots during the regular season. And in that game, if you recall, uh, Akeem Nix, uh, Ahmad Bradshaw did not play because of injuries. So they're, they're healthy. They're back. Uh, Kevin Boss, the center, did not play that game either. So, you know, I think if you make the case the Giants are as healthy as they've been all year. And, of course, you know, a story that we're going to be following this week and probably right up to the Super Bowl, you know, you, you talk about the hyped, I think the hyped story is probably going to be uh, the health of uh, Mr. Gronkowski and his, uh, his high ankle sprain. And uh, obviously will not be, is not at 100%. Will he be 100% by the Super Bowl? We don't know that. Um, certainly, uh, if, if he is hindered at all, that'll be a major uh, disadvantage for the Patriots because they've leaned on him so much this year. I mean, obviously there's plenty of other talent uh, uh, for Tom Brady at uh, his disposal, but uh, if Rob Gronkowski is not uh, himself uh, for this game, that, that certainly is, is a disadvantage for New England. Yeah, that's absolutely a game changer. This side of uh, you know Brady or Eli being out, I can't imagine one player uh, you, you know that would Im- being out that would impact the game more. I mean, ev- everything the Patriots seem to do these days uh, with each passing game seems to key off Gronkowski. Uh, not the least of which would be his blocking against the uh, Giants' awesome pass rush. And uh, and is receiving. I mean, again, everything just keys off there. The underneath game, which you know, a lot of people are thinking is is quite uh, possibly the key to the game. And the difference is simply, you know, four years ago, uh, Randy Moss was the key threat, and he stretched the field, and Brady needed time for him to get down the field before he could throw it. And obviously, the Giants' defensive line did not give him that time. Today, totally different offense. It's an underneath offense keyed by Gronkowski and the other tight end. I use that term loosely. Aaron Hernandez, uh, not to mention Wes Welker uh, and Dion Branch. Uh, you know, it's an underneath game, meaning Brady will be able to get back and release the ball quickly on what is a lot of 10 and 12 yard patterns. And, uh, what do you think about that? I, I think that's just a huge, huge difference in the two Super Bowls. Yeah, and, you know, as you've said previously on this program, I mean, you know, to have guys like Hernandez and Gronkowski, I mean, you, you, you talk about your proverbial uh, uh, matchup nightmare. I mean, there you go. I mean, it's, 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 as they've shown all year, uh, there aren't too many defenses that have the, the ability or the personnel to deal with that. So, you know, certainly that, 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 that only goes to their advantage. And as we saw... Uh, Belichick using Aaron Hernandez in the backfield as a, as a fullback, as a running back. I mean, there's no there's no shortage of, you know, if you have the talent, if you have guys like that, you have to find a way to uh, incorporate them into your offensive strategy, and they've certainly done that. Um, but again, you know, the main difference between the Giants offense now and then, you know, you, you can almost uh, say the Giants offense now is more is more comparable to the Patriots offense, you know, seven, you know, wide open, track meet, you know, throwing the ball down the field. Um, and, you know, look at the weapons Eli Manning has and look how they perform. And the other factor, too, is, you know, you're going to have uh, a fast track 
be on the indoor uh, field in Indianapolis uh, as opposed to uh, last week's NFC Championship in muddy San Francisco. So, you know, that can only help the Giants. So, you know, I, I think you definitely have two very different uh, offensive philosophies going on here. You know, the Giants are going to look to open it up against, the you know, the Patriots uh, defensive back. You know, it's a matchup that the Giants should win. And the Patriots will look to open it up, as you say, underneath. And that's been working for them all season. There's no reason to think that they'll deviate from that. So, um, you know, I, I, I think we know what both teams are going to do, but it, it's going to be a question of execution. It's going to be a question of, and I agree with you, I think it's going to be a close game. I, I can't see either team blowing the other one out. I, I, think, I think most people would be stunned if, if that were the case. Um, it's going, to be, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a close game. And I, I think you're right. It's going to go down to you know, one of those final positions. Whoever has the ball last and, uh, you know, a field goal maybe. And uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But, yeah, certainly the, the hype has already begun. And, you know, by the time we talk next week, uh, you know, we're only, only two days left before the Super Bowl. Uh, we, we will have been uh, over the top with hype. I, I think you're right about that. Oh, absolutely. And I'll be uh, fortunate enough that I'll be in Indianapolis to report on all the goings on next week, which are uh, sure to be many, to put it mildly, nothing like Super Bowl week, and uh, so we'll have a lot to talk about next Friday. But uh, anyway, we both know who's there. We all know who's there, Patriots, Giants, uh, and we're going to take our break now. And on the other side, we're going to talk about last week's games and how they got there. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. It's the revolution with Jim and Trav. Brought to you by Zeiss. This week on the show will be Kevin Sloan with Sitka Gear, Charlie Thomas with Mississippi Decoys, Robert Shaw with Skull Hookers, Walter McLaughlin with the Freedom Group, and Tony Tekansik with Burris when we preview products from the 2012 Shot Show. All brought to you by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 
347-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still with us on the line is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, some great games last weekend, just what you want in the two conference championship games, both going down to the wire. One, of course, going to overtime. That would be the Niners Giants, and given your New York New York perspective, uh, what did you think about that game? Well, I, I think that was pretty much uh, played played to the script that we all envisioned. I mean, we all we all realized that that was going to be a very close game. You know, again, as, as we talked about how we think the Super Bowl is going to go, uh, you know, pretty much figured that the Giants Niners would come down to you know where the ball last, and in this case, going overtime. Um, you know, got a couple of takeaways. That, uh, you know, I, I think the the Niners' defense. I think that's the toughest defense the Giants played this season. I mean, they uh, they were ranked. The, there was a reason why they had the best uh, best defense uh, in the NFC, and we saw that. You know, I I don't remember a time this season uh, watching uh, Eli Manning get as beat up as he did. I mean, they they got to him and they they hit him pretty hard. And you know, by the end of the by the end of the game. You know, uh, Eli's uniform was, was probably the dirtiest I've seen uh, all season. You know, he's not used to getting hit like that. However, you know, he's, I think we also saw how tough Eli is, and he stands in there. And, you know, down the stretch, there were a couple passes he made. The one in particular uh, to, to Bradshaw on the left sideline, he was being chased by two 49ers out of the pocket, and there was a third coming behind him. And if uh, he's any later, he gets up any later with that throw, that's a likely fumble or interception or something. Something bad would have happened there for the Giants. But he hung in there, got got rid of the ball, and uh, made a, a huge connection there. Uh, so, yeah, I think the you know, being able to withstand uh, the 49ers defense was, was huge for the Giants. And, you know, we saw them come through when they had to. You know, the in the clutch, you know, seeing, um, seeing Lawrence Pines come through with that uh, – Field goal overtime to me was as dramatic as they come, and uh, a terrific game that certainly could have gone either way. And uh, Smith played well for the uh, for the Forty ers and their running game was good. Uh, you know, very even game statistics wise, but uh, you know, coming down to that 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 literally that last possession and whoever has the ball last, and you know, a couple of the three and outs and in, uh, in overtime, and uh, you know, that's just just the way it worked out. And I. I it was just—it was an excellent football game. It was real fun to watch. Oh, it was just terrific. Uh, first off, Eli, an absolute warrior, and I always liked and respected Eli. But clearly, uh, it rose to the next level after watching that performance. It was just awesome to see him withstand that punishment. Uh, again, it's you know, in the annals of you know, just great performances by a quarterback under the most extreme duress imaginable, really. I, I just can't remember when I've seen anything like that, and certainly not at a, in a championship game, and boy, he just delivered big time, and you know, I, I just thought those last five minutes of that game, when basically they just kept punting to each other, threes and outs, I think each team had two three and outs in the last five minutes with the Super Bowl on the line, I mean, I just thought that was as good as it gets, and uh, of course, we can't talk about last week's game without talking about Kyle Williams and uh, how basically, you know, he had the, the, the two muff punts. I mean, the first one, uh, 
you know, uh, that bounced off his knee. Fabulous camera work, by the way, by Fox on that one. And uh, clearly it hit his knee. But even as the play was unfolding live, I was like, what is he doing? Even being near that ball. And then uh, obviously he, you know, was stripped. I would say, should say the ball was poked in overtime. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, sad. I mean, he's actually received, you know, death threats via Twitter, which was, again, discussed on Inside the NFL. That's how they started their show the other night. And, uh, you know, which is just shameful, to say the least. He's the son of Kenny Williams, general manager of the White Sox. And uh, let's not forget, you know, he was only in there returning punts because the Niners all-pro kick returner is Ted Ginn, who was out with an injury. So he was a you know, young kid trying to make plays, and you know, he obviously he didn't make them, and in fact, the ones he, he made bad ones. But you, you know, uh, I, I found it interesting because you know, with the Patriots game, Danny Woodhead, you, you know, so much stuff gets washed away in victory, but Danny Woodhead's fumble on the kickoff was, to me, a potential you know, game-changing moment. Uh, Especially when it was followed, you know, followed up by him coming out very soon thereafter for the next kickoff. I mean, Bill Belichick is known for, uh, let's just say, not putting those guys out there after they make a mistake at that level. Um, but sure enough, you know, within a couple minutes, uh, the Ravens had scored uh, after the fumbled kickoff, and they kicked off to the Patriots, and here comes Danny Woodhead. And... Uh, he actually received the kick, had a nice return, did not fumble, and uh, and off we went. And it just told me that, you know, Belichick must think highly of him. He's a veteran. And it also drove home the point how players clearly think different than fans. I mean, fans would be thinking, you know, if they're, you know, that Danny Woodhead might not want the ball kicked to him after the fumble just a couple minutes earlier, whereas guaranteed, and it showed. <coughs> Danny Wood had one of that ball and wanted to redeem himself. So it was just ironic. Uh, I found, you know, myself thinking about those two things. What were your thoughts? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I would agree with that. You know, certainly, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Kyle Williams' situation is unfortunate for him. Uh, you know, uh, I did hear I did hear him interviewed about it, and he's a you know a real an intelligent young man, and he pretty much just you know uh, the the Twitter nonsense. Uh, which is really the only only thing you really can do. Uh, unfortunate for him. And uh, as far as the Woodhead situation, yeah, I, I agree with you on that too. Um, you know that that game, the Patriots Ravens game, you know, pretty much ended in chaos uh, from the Ravens' point of view. Uh, you know, with the with the field goal attempt uh, by Billy Cundiff. You know, if you watch if you watch tape of that, you know, the the, the, the Ravens were saying that it was a mistake on the scoreboard, and they thought it was third down, it was really fourth down, and uh, that's you know, correct. was, was, is there, was there some skullduggery going on? Was, you know, was there, was there just, you know, their timing was just bad. Yeah. A, a lot of this could have been avoided by, uh, by Harbaugh calling a timeout. They had one left to spend and that probably would have been worth it just to set every, settle everybody down. And I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, flabbergasted why they didn't call a timeout, but, uh, it was a very strange ending to the game. And, you know, if you watch, of that field goal, you will see the you know, the Ravens 
field goal unit on the field, and you, then you'll see Cundiff running kind of from the other side of the field. Very unusual because usually guys are set. They're on the field. And he, was, he, he said he was in his routine, and he has a certain routine that he does, as all kickers do, you know, what they do on first down, what they do on second down, what they do on third down. And he was basically down behind his preparation, and all of a sudden they were screaming, on the field goal, field goal, on the field. And you know, what's going on? Nobody really knew, and it was, it was, it was kind of chaotic. And, you know, it, 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 would, it would have been, you know, it would have, certainly would have behooved the, the Ravens to use that last time out to let everybody down. And who knows, that, that kick might have gone through, and he wouldn't have rushed it, and things may, might be very different right now. So um, kind of strange. But, you know, in, in, instead of getting into... You know, you know, did the Patriots do something, you know, spygate-ish or Belichickian or whatever you want to call it? You know, I think this one falls on the Ravens because they had a chance to calm everybody down and, and chose not to do it for, for whatever reason. So it, it, it's kind of on them, which is unfortunate for the uh, Patriots, unfortunate for the Ravens, I think. Yeah, well, shame on the Ravens for taking that time out home to Baltimore with them. Unforgivable. <laughs> As I talked about in my first segment, uh... I was at the opposite end of the field from where the kick missed. So Cundiff was indeed warming up at my end down around the 30. So he had, you know, in effect, 50, 60, 70 yards to get out to the line of scrimmage. I mean, obviously the cameras caught him walking right down the middle of the field. And uh, it was a chaotic atmosphere, to put it mildly. I mean, it was just like everything, and I mean in the stands, Everything just felt in fast motion. The scoreboard indeed said third down. Everybody was talking, thinking, like, you know, including myself, just, you know, here they are from the 14-yard line. Flacco's taking shots into the end zone. Sterling Moore's making plays, and everybody's just feeling like this is a win-or-lose moment here. Nobody was thinking kicks and overtime. It just wasn't what, what, you know, fans were saying and in the stands as it was unfolding. But suffice it to say, you hit the nail right on the head. It was confusion. It was chaos in the stands, on the Ravens bench, and it all could have been avoided by simply taking the timeout. And why they didn't, uh, you know, will be forever a mystery. And, uh, yeah, had they taken it, you know, things might have been very, very different. I mean, they were, they were, they were coming on. That was a nice drive by Flacco at the end. And uh, the other game-changing play before we go to break uh, was, of course, Brandon Spike's interception, which was tremendous athleticism. He intercepted it with one hand, and I thought, this is it. This is the the key moment of this game, and uh, this is going to put the Patriots on the road to the Super Bowl. And uh, the very next play, Brady goes deep to Matthew Slater, and the Ravens make a tremendous play on the interception where Bernard Pollard tips it to his teammate who intercepts in the end zone and then proceeds to make a very nice 40-yard return. And uh, so, again, that that was, you know, a remarkable change of plays. You talk about the highs and lows of a football game. They were never more in evidence than, than that sequence. Yeah, I mean, the Super Bowl has a lot to move up to, doesn't it? I mean, we had two two excellent conference championship games. But, and I think, you know, we've talked about this you know, through the whole postseason. I think it's been a terrific, terrific year for the NFL playoffs. I mean, there's been a lot of great games, a lot of games going down the wire, a lot of twists and turns, a lot of emotions, and just a lot of great plays all over the place, the offensively, defensively, special teams. It's been, I think it's been a terrific postseason for the NFL, and uh, you know, I think the Super Bowl will be a, 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 a fitting climax 
to this to this postseason. You know, if it, if it plays out the way we think it will, we expect it to. Um, you know, uh, I would expect it to be a great game, and uh, certainly keeping up with uh, all the other great postseason games we've seen so far this year. Yeah, been quite a run in the postseason. The NFL just gets better and better every year, and every week uh, it's just remarkable so uh well we still have lots more to talk about but for now let's take our break and barry's sticking with us on the other side your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports we some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And before we get started, I want to quickly say my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing, since we don't actually have football for the first time in about uh, 20, 25 weeks, uh, is tomorrow night's HBO documentary on Broadway Joe Namath's legendary career. Apparently will include perspective and quotes from Susie Kober and the famous... Uh, Kiss in the Meadowlands uh, a few years ago. And uh, speaking of legendary quarterbacks, Barry, uh, Peyton Manning and Jim Irsay feuding in Indianapolis, site of the Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on that? You know, you know, we never really thought we'd be, we'd be looking at this or saying this, but, you know, we might, be, we, we might have seen uh, Peyton Manning's last game in a Colts uniform. I'm really starting to think that that's the way that this is going to play out because if you look at what's gone on, you know, since his injury, uh, the disastrous season that, that the Colts have had, um, the, the almost complete house cleaning uh, of management uh, that this team has had, you know, both Polians are gone. The coach, Jim Caldwell, gone. Hiring a new GM, a new coach. Uh, you know, uh, and you know, Peyton obviously is, 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 is he's not he's not a wallflower. He's going to speak his mind and always has. 
and you know he was basically you know you know commenting on all the changes and how it's how it's been really hard and uh, you know you got uh, Jim Mercer, the owner coin coin painting a politician now that he should have kept this in the in the house that the you know there's no more nothing more important than the horseshoe and all of this and uh, you know Peyton basically just you know retorting by saying look all I was doing was just saying that you know it's really hard to see all all your friends all people that you've worked with for years you know now suddenly everybody's on it it's almost like Peyton's becoming his own island out there which is you know which is a, a situation you know a year ago that we never would have seen coming um, you know certainly a uh, future Hall of Famer certainly one of the best quarterbacks of our time if not all time. Uh, what he's accomplished, you know, Super Bowl champion, all pro. Um, you know, it, it, it's a sad commentary on the state of the franchise, and it really shows you the difference, really, that, you know, one injury can make. I think you can make the case that easily, if Peyton were healthy and had a normal Peyton Manning season, if he didn't get hurt, we, we may be talking about the about so the Colts run of the postseason, or we wouldn't be talking about any of this right now. Uh, maybe we were talking about the Colts being getting ready for the Super Bowl, maybe a uh, of uh, you know the Manning brothers taking each other on in the Super Bowl. Who knows? But we certainly would have seen you know this sort of debacle that's happened uh, this year in Indianapolis, and it may get uglier before it it, it, it shakes out. I mean, we, we we might have seen the last of Peyton in uh, in a Colts uniform, which is uh you know again you know a, a shocking a shocking thing to say considering where where we've come from uh, with, with with the history of this guy and. You know, uh, he's been a, he's been a great player, and uh, you know, I think we might see him somewhere else next year if he's healthy. We we don't even know how his health is. We don't know if he's going to be able to play. But uh, if it's the last act in Peyton's career, it's going to be a a very difficult one for him to move on from. I think. Well, and that's the key. What you said right there at the end is that apparently, you know, the word I'm hearing is that his neck nerves, muscles, whatever, are not, quote, regenerating, and that even if they started to regenerate today, uh, it's not an overnight process. It doesn't happen quickly. So at this point in time, I, I think, you know, we have seen the last of Peyton in a Colts uniform because I see no way that Jim Mersey is paying him $28 million with his health questionable to be kind, period. That's it. Um and with, you know, obviously the uh, uh, first pick in Andrew Luck. So I, I think it's pretty much already over. Um, and, you know, it's just a sad ending. But, you know, fortunately, yesterday both sides seemed to, uh, you know, reduce the rhetoric a little bit, uh, you know, add in a little more professionalism than what was exhibited earlier in the week between the two of them. And, uh you know, hopefully that continues because, <clears throat> given that again, they're they're in effect hosting the Super Bowl. They really are. I mean, they're the two biggest players in Indianapolis, and that's where the game is. And the world's media is going to be assembled there, and they're going to be all over this story. And you know, if it doesn't maintain the tone that it seemed to finally get to last night, which is just simply a more professional and civilized tone, then uh, this thing is going to explode next week. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. But what I do think is going to happen is that Peyton Manning is either going to retire or play for another team. I, I just think that's near, well, pretty, pretty obvious. Yeah, and I think in the, you know, we'll, 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 know, we'll, know how, we'll know how this shakes out, certainly uh, 
she goes in six weeks, you know, that's pretty much the deadline for uh, for Jim Mercy to pay uh, Peyton Manning that $28 million bonus. So if he's not healthy, he's not going to get paid that bonus. And, you know, he's either going to, as, as, as we said, you know, either, either, you know, step away or, you know, investigate going to another team. And, you know, uh, that's the problem a lot, of, a lot of athletes have, especially a lot of athletes later in their careers after they get hurt. You know, these guys are proud, and it's really all they've known is their is their um, is their is their craft and their profession, and uh, you're preparing for games, playing games, you know, living a life of, of routine, being a football player. Um, you know, I, I think Peyton has, you know, as we've seen over the years in the media, you know, he's got a good personality. He could probably be a pitch man. He could probably, you know, be on TV as an analyst. You know, uh, you know, any. I'm I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure he won't go. Sure, he won't go poor. I'm sure he'll find you know some other vocations. He's not playing football, but you know we'll we'll, we'll miss watching him play. And he's one of those competitors, that one of those fiery guys that you know when you watch him, you can really appreciate him. You know when he's healthy, when he's right, and what he's accomplished in the league over the years. But yeah, I, I would certainly expect that the subject of Peyton to come up, especially uh, with uh, with uh, Eli being on the main stage in in, in Peyton's town. So. You know, I, I'm sure we'll get a few, uh, you know, Peyton Manning questions thrown Eli's way this week. So we'll, uh, and I would, you know, and knowing how Eli is, you know, I would certainly expect him to be very calm and very cool and very collected and just not, not be phased by anything because he's ever phased by anything. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty much sure that the, that won't be, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a, uh, a distraction for him at all. No, I don't think it will be for Eli, and I, I really think that the, the smart move would be for both Peyton and Jim Mercer to just, you know, put the subject to rest for at least the next 10 days. Just, you know, defer, defer quickly about it, to say, even to the point of saying, you know, uh, we'll have nothing to say before March, and, and that's that. And uh, just have it, like, go away for the next 10 days, because it got pretty heated this week, and... Uh, and again, but they, they seem to be, uh, you know, softening a bit yesterday, so hopefully that's going to carry over. And uh, yeah, well, it's just going to be uh, quite the week, uh, to say the least, in Indianapolis. Uh, just going to be uh, absolutely spectacular. I, I again, think, uh, just going back to what we started our segments with, that uh, it's going to turn out to be the most hyped game ever. I think it's going to be the most watched program in American television history. Uh, I truly believe that. And, uh, you know, it's just going to be, uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, like you, not a fan of the two-week interlude, but uh, the buildup is just going to be so far off the charts. Obviously, I'm here in Boston. You're in Boston and New York. Uh, it's already, I mean, the local news, the, uh, the NBC affiliate since Monday has basically, NBC's carrying the game, of course, uh, has basically been devoting 75% of its newscast at 6 o'clock, 11 o'clock, noon, whatever, how many ever times per day it's on, to the Super Bowl. So it's nonstop, and again, we're only in week one, not yet week two. The Boston media is sending out small armies, if not big armies, to Indianapolis. Uh, each station, each outlet is sending out anywhere from three to a dozen or so <clears throat> reporters, news people, all of it, social social reporters, if you will, uh, you know, to cover the party scene out, out at the Super Bowl. And uh, 
what are, what are you hearing in New York? I can only if that's happening in Boston, you know, then make it times ten for New York City. Yeah, I, I know that we're sending out uh, at least a dozen people uh, between wow. you know, between reporters, columnists, uh, web people, videographers, you, know, you name it. And uh, you know, as you know, as we've discussed many times, as we know, uh, with our respective backgrounds, you know, the the media uh, media is changing by the moment. So you know, not only do you have to have your your newspaper people out there, but you have to have your web people out there. You have to have your, your video people out there. Now we put videos on, on our website. So, you know, and it has to be, it has to be live and it has to be, be, be fresh. So, you know, there's certainly no shortage of, of things to, to, uh, to shoot, uh, people to interview, uh, you know, player interviews, uh, videos of media day and practices, etc. So there's going to be, there's, Definitely going to be a lot to do and a lot, a lot and a lot of people uh, documenting it for sure. So you know, as you say, you know, you multiply that you know for New York times three or four, or five, depending on uh, how many newspaper outlets you're talking about. Talking about local TV, you're talking about uh, people from the league office. So it'd be a huge contingent uh, from New York heading uh, to Indianapolis. So uh, so yeah, uh, I just wonder how much room they're going to have at the Lucas Oil Dome. You know, I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> What their uh, what their situation is with with credentials or rooms for the media or or press rooms or anything like that, but I imagine they'll be overflowing. So uh, it'll be it'll be a fun week. Uh, Super Bowl week is always a fun week and always busy and always crazy. And uh, you know, but with a certainly for the New York and Boston media, it'll be uh, it'll be even crazier than usual because you got the you got your teams involved. So it'll be uh, it'll be crazy and uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to a busy week. It'll be great. I'll be there. You'll be in the Northeast, back here. And together, you and I will have it covered. So, as always, thank you for joining me today, Barry. And thank you to Voice America for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again from Indianapolis next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.